Pop Health Podcast is a public service of 24-hour home care. So what Heal has become is a platform for both younger and new doctors, maybe finishing their residencies, but also middle-aged and older, more senior doctors who have had very successful practices who see this as a better way to practice medicine because they get to focus 99.9% of their time on patient care and nothing else. And so we've been able to attract really a best-in-breed group of providers. to another episode of Pop Health Podcast. This is Gavin Ward, co-host of Pop Health Podcast. In today's episode, I sat down with Greg Drobnik, an entrepreneur who helped start Heal. Many of you might be familiar with Heal, as you basically can now order a physician on demand in many markets in the country, including pretty much all the major markets in California, as well as Atlanta and Washington, D.C. Heal is expanding to other major markets as well. In today's episode, Greg talks a little bit about the founding of Heal and how the ability to access care at an affordable price is here today. We hope you enjoyed today's show, and if you do, feel free to leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. You can always find us on those platforms as well and at pophealthpodcast.com. Thanks, everyone. Enjoy the show. So, Greg, can you tell us something about you that might surprise the audience? Well, before I got involved in healthcare and heal, I came out of the entertainment and sports industry. And I spent a lot of time in production and flying around the world with athletes. And while none of that relates directly to healthcare, it gave me an interesting perspective to see the world. And somehow I can now say I'm no longer in the sports business, but focused in, uh, in healthcare. Are you able to share a, a story? I know it's probably a lot of what you did was with high-profile folks, but um, anything in your earlier days that was pretty amazing in that world? Well, we actually at one point represented a lot of boxers uh, in the in the sport of boxing. And one of the unique things about boxing in America is that the port is still very, very popular, but it's sort of fallen on hard times. Yeah. So back in 1984 in the Olympics, uh, our team actually was coined the nickname Operation Gold because we won 11 gold medals that year, two silver and a bronze. Uh, it was the first time a country's medaled in every single weight class. Wow. And then since then, sadly, we've gone down and down and down in the medal count. And in my last collaboration with the boxers we were working with, we actually uh, had a heavyweight boxer from America who was a former football player, and he turned boxer uh, a couple years before the Olympic qualifier, and he actually went from a completely unknown guy in the sport, actually better known, as I said, in uh, being a football quarterback, and took up boxing for the first time, and we actually flew down to Rio uh, in Brazil for the Olympic qualifier and got to watch uh, this guy who had never boxed before uh, turn himself into an Olympic athlete, and that was pretty special. Nice. That's neat. Now, uh, we're recording this episode today here in June. There was a big heavyweight fight uh, um, this past weekend. Did you still pay attention to that or are you pretty much checked out? I saw the headlines. It was a guy named Andy Ruiz, uh, who it's very rare to have a Mexican uh, heavyweight. And and he was going up against a guy named Anthony Joshua, who had won in the 2012 London Olympics and was really a dynamic and amazing fighter. And so I didn't see the fight live, but 
seeing the headline uh, was actually sort of shocking because this guy, Anthony Joshua, uh, some people have even you know used him in the same sentence as Ali with the, the charisma and, and the way he approached the sport. So to see him uh, get the loss and Andy get the win means both Andy's very talented and uh, it was kind of cool to see uh, someone new coming up uh, the way he did. Very good. So you go from a sport where folks, uh, they're regulated, but they kind of might hurt each other a little bit to now you are helping folks heal. So tell us a little bit about, maybe your, before we get into heel, tell us about your background and how you eventually uh, got into heel. So let's start perhaps with where you grew up, where you went to school for. Let's start there. I grew up in Los Angeles, and I still live in the LA area today. I've traveled a ton, but I always like calling Los Angeles home. I really enjoy it here. And an entrepreneur that I had worked with now almost about 10 years ago, a gentleman named Nick Desai, who is now the CEO of Heal, uh, he had uh, stayed in touch with me and actually reintroduced me to his wife, who's a triple board certified nephrologist and fast forwarding to today, the chief medical officer of Heal. But she actually had the vision and the idea for what this could become. And they had approached me to, or Renee uh, had approached me to pitch this idea. Uh, myself and a friend were very active sort of angel investors in the LA area. And so they had approached us about possibly helping them get started. And uh, even though we didn't have a background in, in healthcare, we really respected Renee as an entrepreneur and a visionary and uh, liked the path they laid out. So we thought we'd roll up our sleeves and get involved. Awesome. And so backtracking a little bit, you mentioned you grew up in LA. Um, you're still here today. I believe you also went to school at University of Southern California, so probably a lot of Trojans out there. When you were going to school, did you think, you know what, I want to be an entrepreneur uh, or I want to help with startups? Is that ever something you considered as a young man? When I was in college, I uh, I really enjoyed my time at SC, and uh, we had a, a great football team at the time. I think we still do, but maybe not quite as good as we did then. And one of the things I enjoyed most beyond cheering on our, our Trojans and, and being part of school was as much as I enjoyed that experience, I was excited to also get out of school. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to start my career and wanted to start working. And I was always and still am very fascinated with the path that companies go on uh, as they're being developed from the idea on the back of a napkin to then their different evolutions. So I think I always sort of had a, a little bit of a, an intellectual bug for, you know, seeing the way companies were built and then wanting to, you know, mimic that at some level myself. And, and it just sort of, sort of been a very natural thing that I've gotten involved in uh, earlier and growth stage companies that are, uh, you know, in subject areas that are exciting for me. Okay, awesome. So you mentioned Dr. Rene Dua, who is the uh, one of the founders of the company. Company. So tell us about what you know about the inspiration and uh, the early days and where you guys are today. Well, it started with a fairly simple dynamic, which was how do we create more access to care for more people? And the reality of in the United States right now, there's about 400 million emergency room visits each year. Almost 80% of those are completely unnecessary. And so everybody who's listening, chances are either you've been to an emergency room yourself or maybe your friends or family. We all know somebody who has. Yeah. And I think we can all agree unanimously it's a pretty uh, uncomfortable experience. So you'd have to ask yourself, well, why on earth would anybody do that to themselves? Why would you go if it wasn't an actual emergency? And the reality is that in America, the average wait time to see a doctor or a pediatrician for the kids, family practice doctor for adults, etc., typically is over 15 days. 
And that's a scary proposition if you have to wait two weeks to get access to your doctor. And so fundamentally, we thought we should fix that. Yeah. And we wanted to do that through creating a very user-friendly web app and mobile experience that allowed the patients to book doctor visits in a timely manner, but then also empowered the doctors to have technology and tools at their disposal to help the way they could deliver A-plus care uh, to the uh, to the patient. Awesome. So when you got Heal up and running, did you initially take insurance like day one or was it just cash and credit card day one? Tell us about that. So we started out as a cash pay service, a flat fee of $99. Our intentions were never to stay as a cash pay service, but we had to get started somewhere, right? Yeah. Everybody has has square one, if you will. And so over the first uh, year of operation, we saw a few thousand patients, and we were able to demonstrate three fundamental things. The first is that we were able to recruit, hire, and retain very talented doctors who wanted to practice medicine this way, meaning in a mobile environment and not in a hospital setting or not in a brick and mortar setting. And the second thing we did was build meaningful technology that allowed the patients to communicate from a scheduling standpoint with the doctor, but also protocols that allowed the doctor to uh, have nice touch points with the consumer during their visits and be able to digitize this process, right? So we don't have a lot of the typical back office that a hospital system would have or a private practice would have. We digitize that. Okay. The third piece, which is arguably the most important, is that uh, the customers were very happy. We've consistently had a net promoter score of plus 80 or higher. And how does that compare to other companies? Typically, on a scale of plus 100 to minus 100, healthcare companies tend to be in the negative, unfortunately, or neutral. There's a couple that are, uh, you know, in the plus 10, plus 20 category. Consumer brands, for reference, like Apple, tend to be in the plus 40, plus 50 zone. So to be north of plus 80 is actually a, a very meaningful accomplishment. That's awesome. And just a quick note for those of you out there, uh, feel free to do a quick Google search for Net Promoter, uh, but it's an interesting formula. And an 80 is pretty spectacular. I've been familiar with Net Promoter for a while, and uh, that's something I can see why uh, your first year was a success. Please continue. Yeah, the, the attention to detail that our doctors give the patients, I think, speaks volume towards that score. And so with that basic information, just to, to recap, it was hiring great doctors, it was uh, building good technology, but then having the customer satisfaction, that allowed us to approach the insurance companies and say, we're heal. hello, yeah. as one of our investors, Lionel Richie, would say, hello, right? <laughs> um, we were able to introduce ourselves to the insurance companies, explain what we were up to, and lay out a dynamic where they saw value. Yeah. And so we were then able to contract here in California with almost, well, effectively all of the major insurance companies. So that included Anthem Blue Cross, Blue Shield, Cigna, Aetna, United Healthcare, and others. And then we became uh, what's considered in the industry, right, a fee-for-service provider. Yes. So we could come to you wherever you are, uh, typically collect a copay, and then the insurance company would reimburse the rest. And that was an important uh, inflection point for the company. Okay. Now, you mentioned a copay. Is this like the same type of copay someone would see if they went to their primary care physician in an office setting typically? or Every plan's a little bit different, but okay. the, the easy way to think about it is yes. Okay. It is typically a copay that is very similar to an office visit. Okay. Awesome. And as you guys were developing the company, uh, contracting, were there rules in place in the U.S. healthcare system that allowed 
that made contracting with private insurers relatively straightforward, or did regulations have to change with any of the plans, including Medicare? Well, there was no regulatory changes that needed to happen for us to contract with the commercial plans. Okay. Uh, that was fairly straightforward process. Once they had been convinced and once they saw that this was a, a good way of, of delivering medicine and, and a professional group of people you know, behind it, yeah. that conversation was sort of easy at some level. Uh, then there was basic paperwork and things of that nature, but there was no regulatory changes that needed to happen. Nice. Um, more recently, in regard to Medicare, there's actually been some exciting regulations that have changed. In the years past, there was a restriction on Medicare uh, members being able to get a doctor house call. The only folks that were allowed to do that uh, were those that were medically homebound. Yeah. That definition only covered about 5 to 10% of the Medicare audience. And as a result of discussions with CMS and, uh, and some demonstrations and conversations with them, that rule was actually changed as of January 1 this year. Nice. And so now everybody in Medicare uh, has access to doctor house calls. Awesome. And did that require an act of Congress, or is Medicare able to adjust the regulations on their own, or CMS? That was a rule, not a law. Okay. So it didn't require any acts of Congress or, or any legislative uh, um, uh, efforts. Uh, they were able to understand the proposition and then affect the rule change themselves. Okay, great. So uh, most of our audience, uh, I would say majority of our audience, it's a national, actually even some international listeners, but majority here in California as well as uh, the other bigger states would be Arizona and Texas. I know you, you guys in California have a pretty good presence. Can you kind of tell us where you are, not just, well, maybe in California, but also nationally, where are you guys today? So right now we cover all the major population centers of California. That includes Los Angeles, Orange County, San Diego, San Francisco, Silicon Valley, and San Jose. And we routinely add more and more zip codes every quarter, depending on where we're seeing demand uh, and new partnerships opening up. We're also live in Washington, D.C., parts of Northern Virginia, and also the uh, six counties surrounding the Atlanta area in Georgia, and more cities to come. So hopefully we're coming to a city near you. Okay, great. Well, folks, there's much more to come, but we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to learn about what is a typical heel visit like, or maybe there's not a typical heel visit. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Pop Health Podcast is a public service of 24-hour home care. All right, folks, welcome back from the break. Uh, before the break, we mentioned that we were going to share a little bit about how people utilize HEAL and uh, the, the physician that comes along with it, but it's not always just a physician. So, Greg, can you tell us why are people utilizing HEAL? What are some case examples? And who shows up at the home besides a physician? So with each visit, there's a doctor that is accompanied by a medical assistant, and the medical assistant serves a few purposes. Uh, they are, in fact, the driver in the car uh, to help the doctors get from point A to point B. They are also a true medical assistants, so they're helping with supplies, baseline vitals. They are all licensed phlebotomists as well, so they can help with blood draws. Uh, and then they're also a witness, which is good for both the patient and the doctor, just an extra level of comfort for everybody. And you get this two-person team, and the most important thing about their interaction uh, in the home is that they're unrushed. They're taking their time, whether it's a pediatric visit or adult or senior visit, they're really taking their time to understand what's going on. 
we've all had that dynamic where our doctors in a brick and mortar practice or a hospital setting ask us what prescriptions we're taking and we're sort of inclined to as though the teacher's asking if you did your homework. You're sort of inclined to say yes, uh, but it's not always the case, right? And, and if you're trying to track what medications and how many milligrams this and how many milligrams that, these are details that can be easy to get confused or, or, or forget, uh, but in reality, they're very important, right? And so in the home environment to say, you know what? Let's walk down the hall and look in the medicine cabinet, right? It's very then easy to look at these things and give a true uh, medical reconciliation, prescription reconciliation, these kinds of things that uh, ultimately make a big, big impact. Okay, so Unrushed, and I've had friends, uh, colleagues use the service. They've all said the same thing, Unrushed. I've had colleagues use it for a couple for physical examinations, for example. Uh, what else? What are other reasons that folks... Well, as a as a dad of, of two young girls myself, I can tell you there's no shortage of, of colds and flus that fly around, you know, preschool campuses. So we use it a lot for, for checkups, you know, for our for our kids. But it really depends on who you are. So if you're uh, a kid who's constantly getting little little colds and, and earaches and things of that nature, it's great for the quick checkups. But it also, at the pediatric level, builds a rapport where your kids feel very comfortable seeing a doctor. Yeah. I remember as a kid, going to the doctor was a little bit of a scary thing. You didn't know what was going to happen. Are you going to get poked, prodded, all this kind of stuff. And so when the doctor comes over to our house, the kids run to the door and give the doctor a hug, and now they're showing him or her their toys, and it's a very different dynamic. Okay, so I'm guessing this doctor is not a stranger today, based on the hugs. <laughs> the kids are running to the door to give him a hug. So does that mean they've been able to request the same, it sounds like they've been able to request the same physician? Yeah, regardless pediatrics or adult, you can set a, set a feature uh, or use a feature called uh, Set Your Doctor. And once you've interacted with a doctor that you want to have as your primary care physician, you can set that person. So you can get the same doctor to come back to your home or office or wherever you are to really build that rapport, which is a very nice uh, feature for developing the relationship. That's awesome. So, okay, looking at... Your structure, cash is, uh, for California, is, is the cash pay today as we record here in June still $99 or has that changed at all? Right now, it's still $99. Okay. Uh, I think that price point will be going up a little bit uh, over time, but the preponderance of everybody using our service is leveraging their insurance plan. Okay. So so that price point very rarely comes up, actually. It, it is typically more focused on the copay. Okay. Sounds good. Now, that price is amazing. So how, and you have to compensate the physicians and the MA staff for time and trouble. How have you been able to successfully recruit physicians um, in the, the model today? Well, there's sort of a, a sad state of affairs at some level. And I say that in the context that a lot of doctors uh, in the primary care vertical are unhappy, right? If they're working in a hospital setting, Oftentimes, they have an administrator breathing down their neck, uh, encouraging them to see north of 40 patients a day, and then there's a lot of paperwork and a lot of bureaucracy that comes with that. For doctors who are in private practice, they might have a census of 3,000 patients, right? So the waiting rooms are always packed, and they're having to do a lot of things that are about the operations of the business, everything from rent to ordering supplies to negotiating malpractice, all of these things. We take care of all that stuff for the doctors. So what Heal has become is a platform for both younger and new doctors, maybe finishing their residencies, but also middle-aged and older, more senior doctors who have had very successful practices who see this as a better way to practice medicine because they get to focus 
99.9% of their time on patient care and nothing else. And yeah. so we've been able to attract really a best in breed uh, group of providers. Okay. And so you mentioned 99.9% on patient care. And the, so the medical assistants are handling a lot of the, the documenting and the charting. Is that fair to say? Yeah. The medical assistants are there as a great resource for the doctors. But I shouldn't uh, trivialize or, or, or gloss over the technology that we've built okay. to have uh, certain features integrated into the electronic medical record that help the doctors code and chart and close gaps in care ultimately is more efficient use of their time. Yeah. Uh, they're also able to deliver better care because of that. And it's something that the the technology layer that we've built for the doctor side, right? Not the consumer side, but for the doctor side has been an invaluable tool actually in recruiting them because they love the innovation. Wow. And is the doctor's side also, like, are they logging into the Heal app on their end or are they logging into something else? No, it's a, it's a, it's just a different, different door, if you will, into the Heal app, right? There's okay. the, the patient side, which we all see as consumers. Yeah. And there's the provider side that the doctors would use as the administrator for the uh, visit. Okay. Awesome. Well, our audience is mostly healthcare professionals. Some will be physicians. The intent of this show is not to recruit physicians, but I'm curious since we have, you have their ear, are you still looking for, physicians we are actively hiring okay and there's there's uh fortunate to say uh lots of great doctors who are applying for physicians but we want to grow our provider network more and more as we're going into more and more cities so if anybody listening has uh has a great resource and someone you want to recommend please do okay awesome and at the end of the show we'll talk about how to get better connected with heal and website app all those things so um, you started as a cash pay. Now you're seeing most insurances or most PPOs. Um, one thing we want to touch on is HMO um, or managed care, if you will. Uh, so for the audience, most of you know what the difference is. Uh, PPO is more of your traditional fee for service, pay for the service, you get the service. Managed care, there's things like capitation and bundled payments. So I wanted to ask you, Greg, um, are you guys engaged with managed care today or the HMO type model? And do you see that as an opportunity for your growth as well? So historically, we've been a fee-for-service provider, and we'll continue to maintain and grow those relationships. But we are also opening up managed care relationships as well. We think that because we've been able to demonstrate a very high level of care, uh, and as a result of that, we've been able to arrange for a type of care that is getting results that both make the patients happy, but are also saving the insurance companies money. Uh, for example, reducing unnecessary visits to emergency rooms, uh, lowering the amount of prescriptions, lab work, and referrals that are needed. These types of things allow us to be very comfortable in betting, if you will, on the outcomes. Yeah. And so the managed care formulas, and there's lots of them, uh, fundamentally align the provider and the payer in a very meaningful way to try and keep the patient as happy and healthy as possible. And if you do that, then there's obviously some some economic upside to that, which is good for everybody, right? To then yeah. reinvest in in growing the business. So we we see the managed care path as a very interesting one, uh, and we have some great partners in that now. Our first partner uh, was actually with Aetna, uh, which is who we opened the Atlanta market with, and we're seeing some great success there. Okay, awesome. So earlier we talked about your kids, uh, their positive experience. I talked about my, uh, uh, well, this was off the air, but my wife, who's a teacher, uh, has an Anthem PPO plan, and uh, we now can see Heal. My family can. Um, 
Let's talk. So, so those are, we're talking about kids, myself, I'm in my thirties still. Yay. <laughs> um, but let's talk more about seniors. So you mentioned, uh, we, you, Medicare now covers visits and the folks that you've seen through Medicare, what are you, what have you seen? What is a common use case for the Medicare type patient? Well, just by the nature of being a Medicare patient, being an older individual, typically at later stages of life come more conditions, right? Chronic yeah. conditions, uh, possibly less mobility, uh, things of that nature. So while HEAL is a phenomenal convenience for those in their 20s, 30s, 40s, and those with young families and whatnot, it really is sort of an extra amazing, uh, extra targeted solution for the Medicare audience, right? Okay. Given the fact that there are more prescriptions involved and you can have a more thoughtful discussion around how those are uh, working for somebody or not. Uh, for those who might have trouble either driving or getting transportation, to have somebody come to you clearly is a, uh, a huge barrier removed, right? So our feeling is that the type of care we're set out to do uh, while great for everybody from birth through adulthood, uh, is really sort of an extra amazing tool for those in, in the Medicare population. And we're excited to, to grow that channel of, of the business and help those folks. Okay, awesome. So as we, uh, as we wrap up the show, I want to share a quick story. Uh, this is an unintended consequence, positive consequence, of a, um, a heel physician visit to a client of mine in my day job where I work for a home care company. 24 hour. So a physician from Heal was visiting our client in the San Fernando Valley, which is North Los Angeles. And as he was there for a common issue, he noticed that our client was showing signs of a stroke. And he identified the signs of the stroke, was able to be with the patient. Uh, he didn't have all the equipment and things like that to you know, treat or stop the episode, but he was able to be with the family and patient. 911 came, got the patient, and patient's fine. He intervened. Now, this is not the, in the intention of HEAL to be an emergency service, but it was a really neat example of how a physician can come to the home and care for you and maybe, maybe care in a way that you didn't expect. And it was really neat. It's something that I was blown away at. And I'm not sure if you'd heard that story. Greg, I don't want to mention the doctor's name. I don't have his permission. But had you heard that one? I did hear that yeah. story. And, and our, our partnership with 24-Hour with Care is meant for the, the fundamental reasons, right, of giving that great care to a lot of people in, in the home. But this was a very unique story that came out of uh, seeing one of those uh, individuals. And one thing that I've sort of been impressed by uh, on the consumer standpoint, is that when you first open the Heal app, you are asked a, an important question. And the question uh, is, is this a life-threatening emergency? And if the answer is yes, we obviously say, call 911, right? And if the answer is no, then you carry on into the booking flow. And over the four years now or so of operations, the, the percentage of times that we have arrived on site into somebody's home and have actually seen it be what our doctors thought was a true life-threatening emergency is actually a very small percentage of the, the, the time. And so what we found is that people, for the most part, are very good around triaging that main question, is this a life-threatening emergency? But once in a while, it may not be when they're booking the appointment, but later that day or maybe tomorrow morning, depending on when they've booked, the severity is increased, right? Yeah. And so we've been able to have some of these interactions where 
people are in fact having a life-saving moment as a result of the heel interaction. And so the example that you described worked out, you know, great. And there has been a few scenarios where we quickly got an ambulance going and and then obviously stayed in touch with that patient to to make sure everything was okay. Yeah, and I appreciate you emphasizing that while you do have life-saving interventions, that's not the design. And we just really want to remind you out there, folks who work in the healthcare setting, which is most of you, the design of HEAL and the intent is not for those emergencies. Um, I do want to ask, though, about the term urgent care, because the term urgent can be defined in different ways. So would you consider people, do you see people using HEAL as like an urgent care alternative? Does that make sense at times? Can you talk about that? Oftentimes, uh, people do use HEAL maybe during their first interaction as a substitution for urgent care. Uh, oftentimes, you know, people will meet us, so to speak, that way. And, and we're fine, you know, uh, you know, taking care of those folks for, for those urgent care needs. But what we typically uh, try to do is explain to people the services that we offer and that we are available with our infrastructure and provider network to actually be your primary care doctor. Clearly, every family will use us a little bit differently. Some may use us as that urgent care substitution once in a while. Some may use us just to help the kids get their school physicals. Uh, some may want just the annual physical for their grandfather or grandmother. But in each of those cases, that's all fine. Uh, but what we want to remind folks is that we are actually here to be your doctor, and we are set up to find your medical records and integrate your medical records and have a true continuity of care across you and your family. And so that's what we sort of strive to to do. Uh, if we meet patients through the urgent care channel, we're, we're perfectly fine taking care of them as well. Okay. Um, and what are your hours of availability and, and uh, what's the response time typically for, let's say someone does want to see someone right away. It's not an emergency, but you know, they like to see someone pretty quickly. How does that work? So we're available 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., uh, 365 days of the year, including all holidays. And we are available one of two ways, either on demand, and by that we mean we can typically arrive in under two hours, wow. which is pretty pretty great. Um, or you could book same-day appointments, right, uh, as well. Or you can book a few months out. So it's really up to the patient. Um, we're very available, and we've staffed accordingly and built our technology in a way that allows us to do that uh, in a seamless manner. In a lot of cases, particularly with seniors, we may book the follow-up appointment or second appointment before we've actually finished the first appointment. Uh, oftentimes, seniors in particular with multiple comorbidities, we may want to proactively have a checkup visit to see how a particular medication is working, or uh, have have a certain environment been improved or changed. And so sometimes we will book uh, while we're still there for the follow-up visit, uh, depending on what's, uh, what's necessary. Okay, awesome. So uh, Greg, as we uh, again get closer to the end of the show, one question that has been on my mind the last few months as I've gotten to know he a little bit better is, there might be some physician groups or healthcare organizations that have their own employed or contracted medical groups that are accountable for the outcome and their financial incentives are based on the outcome of their patients. If I'm a PCP and another doctor is visiting my patient, I might be concerned. It might be, that's hey, that's my territory. And I'm curious from your perspective if, that's, if you've seen that as an issue or how you would counter my perception of that being an issue. I can tell you from Heal's perspective, 
we see ourselves as a solution. And I think part of the, the trickiness of the healthcare environment over the last decade plus is that companies do put up a wall around their services. And I think that people have to uh, collaborate in a, in a good spirit, right? Given that this is healthcare, fundamentally, if you are part of a team or a company that is uh, having providers in the, in the home or in any context, we are here to help patients as much as we are to grow a business alongside of that. And so if we see a patient that has a relationship with a primary care doctor that they like and that they're interacting with and that's their choice, but they needed us to help them in a moment of need, then we do that and would, of course, route any follow-up care, notes, et cetera, back to that primary care doctor and be very respectful of that relationship. We think that's extremely important for the overall healthcare ecosystem. There is absolutely no supply and demand issue here. There is not enough health care to go around given all the needs of the patients. So from an economics or company perspective, if you're offering a meaningful solution, there's no reason that your company can't grow. There's a lot of need from different patients uh, without displacing any other organization or any other uh, solution that's already working. Awesome. Well, Greg Drobnik has been my guest. Off the air, I let, let Greg know that, hey, you're the first Mr. Drobnik I've ever met. And he had mentioned also that he's never met one. So uh, hopefully Greg Drobnik is memorable to you folks today. And Greg, if folks want to learn more about Heal, sign up with Heal, what do they do? So I, if you're comfortable on a smartphone, uh, which most, most people are now, I would encourage you to download the app either in the Apple uh, iTunes store or in the Android uh, platform in, in Google. And uh, otherwise, you can go to www.heal.com and you'll see a lot of information about our company and what we do and where we're going. And we do have a very user-friendly information form. So if you want to drop us a note, we'd love to hear from you. Great. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Greg. Uh, we are here recording in Century City uh, with a great view, so I appreciate you inviting me over here today. And folks, if you like today's show or want to hear other episodes of Pop Health Podcast, feel free to take a look by searching Pop Health Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or visiting pophealthpodcast.com. Thanks, everyone. Take care.